Hey everybody, Matt here over at the Gaines Lab, and today I want to talk about something that crosses my path rather often. Usually it arrives in my email inbox in the form of a question like, how do I improve my conditioning? Or what's the best cardio program for me? Or I'm, I've been doing CrossFit for about six months and I still get gassed out during the Metcons. What should I do? And it's not just my email inbox where this shows up. If you participate in any online forums related to CrossFit or CrossFit-style training, you'll see this topic comes up rather often. And the, the reason it comes up, I'll get into a little bit later, but because it comes up so frequently, I figured I should talk about it in some detail. And that's what I'm going to do. The answers to this topic, when I see it discussed online, usually fall into four categories. The first category is you should do more zone two or steady state or LISS, low intensity steady state, or work with your heart rate around 70 and just hold that and go along. By 70, I mean 70% of your max heart rate, not actual 70. Work with your heart rate around 70% and just go along. And then some other people in a different category will say, you need to do intervals because CrossFit is intense and intervals are intense. So if you do intervals, you'll get a better engine for CrossFit. Then the third group usually says something like, I started doing sprints on the bike after class twice a week and that helped a lot. So you should maybe do sprints. Then the fourth group will say something like, you should add more Metcons or scale the things that you're not good at or do extra Metcons after class, but, but go at a reduced intensity. So that fourth answer is usually some variation of do more Metcons or increase the number of Metcons you do or change your approach to doing Metcons. And all four of those answers have some validity to them. None of them is absolutely wrong. I don't believe they're all absolutely right either. And I'll, I'll try to rank them in uh, worst to first order. I think the worst answer to that question is probably do more Metcons or change up the way you're doing Metcons. Unless the person is truly a beginner, they've likely discovered or figured out the right way to roughly pace themselves. Everyone who first starts has that feeling of going way past the red line in a Metcon and sitting there with their hands on their knees and pretty soon realizing that, hey, CrossFit's a little different and I need to be more thoughtful in my pacing. And we'll, we'll get into that too, why it's different, why you need to be so much more thoughtful. So answers that involve more Metcons, I would say are valid, but would not be the first place I'd start. The next answer in terms of worst to first would be to do sprints. The reason I say that sprints are valid, but not a great answer is because sprints are very, very high intensity by definition. And that produces certain adaptations which will help you in Metcons. For example, they, they help you to develop the ability to neutralize or buffer protons when they accumulate as a result of high-intensity glycolytic activity. But in doing so, they're going to lower your pH to the point where the intracellular processes that produce oxidative energy are 
mitigated. So you can't make as much aerobic power when sprints are involved. And we're going to talk about that later. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, sprints target fast twitch muscle fibers. So CrossFit is an all-muscle fibers activity, which, again, we're going to come back to because that's a super important point, all-muscle fibers activity, in a way that other sports really aren't. And then the other two answers, go long and do intervals, I would say are 1A and 1B. Go long is 1A because no matter how fit you are at at CrossFit or how unfit you are, depending how you came to this, this sport, Going long is going to help. Also, you really can't screw it up as long as you stick to the reduced intensity guidelines, like 70% max heart rate, roughly, or 7 out of 10 rate of perceived exertion if you don't have a heart rate monitor. And the goal with going long is to minimize glycolytic power and focus only on the aerobic engine. And that has limitations too, which we'll talk about in a bit, but... And 1B, I'd say, is intervals. And the reason 1B is intervals in terms of validity, so I'd go the most valid answer, but not, not a perfect answer, and by no means a complete answer, is to go long. The next best answer is do intervals. The next best after, answer after that, among the answers I commonly hear, is do, do sprints. And then the, the least valid, but still having some validity to it, is to do Metcons. So... Those are sort of the big four that come up and how we feel about them. It's important to point out that none of these are a complete answer. Like, none of them is the conditioning solution. The limitations for zone two or steady state work is that it happens at low intensity. And the adaptations to zone two work are increased blood pumped per heartbeat or stroke volume, they call that, higher cardiac output, so your heart can deliver the same amount of of blood, of oxygen, with fewer beats, which is huge. And to some extent, an increased oxygen-carrying capacity of your blood. So not only can you pump more blood per heartbeat, but you transport more oxygen in the blood, increased red blood cell content and binding affinity to hemoglobin and so on. The big one, though, is increased stroke volume or blood pumped per heartbeat. That's a hugely important adaptation because blood equals oxygen, because blood equals removal of waste products from working muscle cells. But the reason that low intensity or zone two work is a valid but incomplete answer is because zone two work doesn't really do anything for fast twitch muscle fibers. So you can deliver all the oxygen that you can imagine, but it has to be used at the muscle fibers for that delivery to make a difference. I guess it's like saying, I don't know what what's a good analogy here, like you have a 100-gallon gas tank, but that doesn't mean your engine can, can go faster. It just means it can go longer. So if you have a, like my car, I think has an 18-gallon tank. So if I had it modified and had a huge fuel tank put in there, I could go longer, but I wouldn't really be able to go any faster. I might be able to go fast for longer, which is sort of what CrossFit wants you to do, but it it wouldn't change the fundamental dynamics of how the engine works. Likewise, going long zone two work doesn't really change the fundamental dynamics of a CrossFit engine because a CrossFit engine is all muscle fibers. 
And just to sort of close the loop on that last analogy with the car and the engine, in case maybe it wasn't clear, fast twitch muscle fibers don't have a lot of mitochondria. They don't really use oxygen that well. They can be trained to do so to some extent, but muscle fibers that are fast twitch are more glycolytic and less oxidative. So bringing them more oxygen doesn't help that much. It will help a little bit, but it doesn't help that much. Now I want to go back to the point that CrossFit is an all-muscle fibers activity. If you have a workout like snatches, burpees, and toes to bar, each of those activities requires different muscle fibers to contribute with different energy production properties. Not only that, the amount of energy needed for each task changes and changes irregularly. And by that, I mean a series of snatches. Let's say it's 135 or 95 for the ladies. Most athletes will do that as singles. There's a huge spike in energy required as that bar comes up off the ground. And then you finish your hip extension, catch the bar overhead. The energy needs are massive. But then you drop the barbell, energy needs drop to zero. Burpees, there's kind of a, a steady energy need. There's a bit of a, a surge when you jump up at the bottom of a burpee. And toes to bar, again, pretty consistent energy needs. As long as you're working, obviously there's a, a small spike in energy when you change direction in a toes to bar. So we see from these three exercises that the energy needs change and the muscle fibers working change. So therefore, supplying more oxygen to activities which are often fast twitch in nature won't help, but they will help on things, it will help on things like burpees. So that's why we see the idea that zone two work is a partial solution. The limitations of intervals come from the facts that, number one, they're not exactly an aerobic solution. They're partially aerobic and partially glycolytic. You won't get the same slow twitch or cardiac output benefit from intervals that you will from zone two. Now, don't misunderstand me. You will improve your aerobic engine doing intervals. And you can improve your glycolytic engine too. And that's where we get into a bit of the complexity of intervals is it's not always easy to know how to program program them. I'll leave you with this guideline as we get into this topic more deeply. It is the work-to-rest ratio that determines which muscle fibers and which energy systems are targeted by intervals. If you have a very low work-to-rest ratio, like 1 to 5, in other words work 30 seconds, rest two minutes and 30 seconds, very long rest periods, high work to rest ratio, or low, sorry, one to five work to rest ratio. That's going to be very glycolytic because of the long recovery. If you have a shorter work rest ratio, like one to one, row one minute, rest one minute, you're going to get a mix of oxidative and glycolytic. And then if the work to rest ratio goes the other way, work three minutes, rest one minute, it becomes more of an aerobic or oxidative challenge. So you can mix these up, but knowing how to do that can be a little bit complex, and we're going to get into that in future topics. So I just wanted to wrap up with common answers to the engine question, and in the next few episodes I'll get into this 
much more deeply.